0: You're listening to K&J Recaps. Hey guys, welcome back to K&J Recaps uh, for Stranger Things Episode 7. Yeah! Penultimate
1: Uh, Episode
0: 7. Yes. I am Kim. I am Jess and uh, hopefully you have been listening to all of our podcasts thus far for Stranger Things because there is only two left, this one and one more. I cannot wait to actually see how this season is going to end
1: Me too. When you said two left, I was like, there are nine episodes Are there? <laughs> no, there are not I was oh. <laughs> <thinking. laughs> this guess- one and the next one. I thought you meant like this one and then two more.
0: I A get really excited <laughs> That's right Uh, no, unfortunately it is going to end very soon, but man, it's been a good run. Like I cannot even tell you how much I've been loving this show. Me too, and like I loved this episode specifically too. Me too. Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I like this whole show like in general has been just such a pleasant surprise. Like I was really looking forward to it. I heard great things about it and everything, but you know, I really feel like it delivered even more than what I was expecting, which is awesome. Yes. And, uh, and this episode was a good one, as you said, so so let's get to it.
1: Let us jump into it. Yes. I found this was like a really linear episode in the sense that because we're getting to that like ending and everybody is now meeting up, the things that we've talked about for a while, right? Where we're getting everybody together, it just kind of like built rather than shifted around as much as it used to. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's not like as many. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. Yeah. So it's like, um, even when I was taking my notes and that's and stuff, there was a lot less cutting back and forth between characters, because, of course, a lot of the characters are in the same place now. So they're just like long scenes, one into the other without a a lot of cutting back and forth. Yeah. Um,
1: but, Which is and really I, satisfying as a viewer, I found, because I was just like, yes! Like, there were so many of, like... Totally! Like, and, the, together, and then yeah.
0: there were some really, like, great tense moments and stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, and I, um, you know, I really enjoyed sort of the long build-ups to some of them, including, like, this opening credits scene um, I found really, like, heart-pounding.
1: Yes, Absolutely. Uh, Okay, so why don't we jump into that? So uh, we, again, pick up right where we left off, which was when the boys were going back into Mike's house, having reunited with Elle. So they're back at the house, and um, Mike is helping Eleven kind of um, clean up her face, and she's noticing, she kind of indicates that her wig isn't there, and she asks if she's still pretty, Um, and Mike... I know, tells her he's happy she's home. And then, in the most predictable moment, obviously they're like kind of doing a slow lean in <laughs> and Dustin bursts in. Just like uh, such like, a hilarious moment. Dustin, what terrible <laughs>
0: timing. It <laughs> was know. for a good cause, but
1: epic could... Dustin timing for sure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's bur- bursting in because he is worried about Lucas. So he says, I think he's in trouble and they can hear lucas through the radio but not very well because he's not in range and we're getting kind of cuts back and forth but we're seeing lucas frantically on his bike and he's trying to yell into his awesome setup kim which you were mentioning last week how it's like taped to his like handlebars <laughs> his yes x bike. yeah i mean and-, and that
0: really came in useful i mean he would it he would not have done as well if it weren't hands-free i feel
1: I agree. It's like an early Bluetooth setup. (laughs) That's right. We're ahead of the times,
0: Lucas. Fan
1: fiction for Lucas is that he goes on to invent the hands-free car device. (laughs) That's basically the equivalent of this.
0: I could 100% see that.
1: Well, there's no doubt that these like four, assuming Will hopefully comes home safe, are going to go on to be like very rich tech nerds because they're like perfectly primed um in terms of ages. So, was yes. Lucas's invention, yeah. And they also uh,
0: have like a telepathic girl too. That's
1: right. She's good <laughs> to help
0: them break telepathic. into the market.
1: That's
0: right. This is like uh, we should follow them as adults when they're this all tech geniuses. Be about. Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh like, my god. Yeah. The I've ideas just are
0: rolling off
1: I've never seen Halt and Catch Fire, but I assume that that's what this is. It's just, like, these guys later in life starting computers, basically. Uh,
0: Like, I'm pretty sure that's the exact show, yes.
1: You're right. Nobody needs to watch it now. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Lucas is yelling at them. They can't understand, and eventually they catch the bad men are coming, which, of course, is um, the reference that Al gave earlier about these people. Um, So, Mike looks out his window and he sees that Hawkins power and light truck. Yes. And he's trying to talk to his mom which I like, just love like this whole scene. So he's like trying to talk to Karen and she's obviously looking for Nancy because she's talking about Steve and she knows they hang out. Um, and she's not really paying attention to Mike. He's like yelling at her as to whether they had repairs ordered. And then Dustin sees like 15 more of those vans appear. Yes um and mike basically eventually after yelling for a while runs out and yells if anyone asks where i am i've left the country <laughs> just like takes off karen's um, like michael
0: what <laughs> are you talking about
1: this <laughs> is like the initial part of like when it was gonna be the most clueless parrot scenes of the entire series
0: <sighs> painful yeah. painfully clueless
1: um, they take off with bikes. Doctor Bretter and Ella make eye contact. Um, they're being chased with the vans, and basically, like that long chase scene, kind of evolves. We can certainly talk about that. But at the at the end, I have I have epic written. Down, L when they kind of get quartered, makes a van fly over top of their heads. Yes. And like land in the way of the other vans. And it's like this crazy. I yeah.
0: loved this whole scene. Like, I yeah. really, I mean, I felt like the, the music that was used really, really added to the intensity that you were feeling. Like, and I loved that they had the walkie talkies going. And did, if you noticed that, like, Dustin also had like a hands free headset, headset on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is amazing. And yeah. so they were like, you know, <clears throat> they were like coming up with, you know, meeting places with uh with Lucas like go to Elmswood and Cherry and then they're yeah. going through, you know, back backyards and stuff. It was and Dustin especially really sells it. He's like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god." Like like the panic of it all, right? Yeah, I just and, found and it's it really fun
1: because they they do cut through backyards and they they know the town obviously really well and like this is kind of what they've been doing for fun their whole lives of course now the stakes are like tremendously high right um, but yeah you do believe that cutting through someone's backyard you know gets her gets them ahead of these vans um, and that these kids are able to outrun and I think that's part of it is that these Hawkins lab people really underestimate the you know level of sophistication or the abilities of these. All of, all of them, you know, L yeah. for sure, but then all of the boys as well. Agreed. Um, yeah. So and
0: the, I feel like the, the boys, they really kind of showed their um, calm under pressure. I mean, like, so Lucas, for instance, I mean, they weren't calm, but like, Lucas, um, I, like, We've talked about before about how what I really appreciate about this show is how quickly they have the characters put two and two together. So yeah. Lucas sees this fleet of vans all all you know heading out at the same time when he's staking out the lab in the last episode, and he just knows that they, you know, he knows what they're. Um, going after they know he right. knows that they're going after 11 and they're going to Mike's house and you know there wasn't anything explicitly stated right and then when Mike and Dustin go to the window and they see the repair van out there they just know that that is not you know that yeah. that's out of the ordinary whatever like um, and then uh, yeah they just kind of uh, out outrun like military agents and I bought it. I bought every minute of it, right?
1: Completely. And yet like in a both a fun and yet, you know, accurate uh or realistic I guess um kind of way. For sure. For sure. Yeah,
0: and then obviously the van scene was amazing. Like uh, L is an absolute badass. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> van flies right over their head. Uh, okay, in a very weird way, I really kind of went to an E.T. place with this. <laughs> 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 I can, like, kind of
1: see it, like, by the moon, kind of? like. Well, I D.T.? mean,
0: yes, it was really just like, um, I think it was just like the combination of bikes and then something flying. Um,
1: Yeah, but, you know, there's one we haven't mentioned. We've mentioned some other inspirational pieces, but there's, like, some decent E.T. inspiration here, too. Oh, for Um, sure. Right? And we haven't really talked about that, because I can absolutely see that. I mean, just the creepy, like, suit guys, too, right? Like, that's another... Yeah, 100% the
0: suit guys. And I really thought of E.T. in retrospect, though I didn't really think of it at the time when it was, like... You know, um, Mike showing Eleven, like, the TV and the easy chair and whatever. It was, like, all of the mundane things that kind of, like, you know, make up his world. I kind of, like, thought about E.T. as this, like, fish out of water. You know, this, like, creature completely, um, you know, uninformed about the mundane things in everyday life. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And then we have this great scene. I got a little, like, I am... I am an emotional TV watcher because I got a little teary eyed in this scene, too, when Lucas and Eleven finally make amends.
1: Totally. It's a really great. It's really well done how they they have them do it for sure.
0: Yeah. So um, so in that part, they finally like they finally outrun the Vans now that Eleven has flipped one over to block the path of the the. Like, caravan following them. And so they go back to the, that, like, junkyard where um, Lucas and Mike fought in an earlier episode. And they finally, like, get off their bikes. And um, Dustin is like, Oh, did you see what she did to that van? That was, and, like, Lucas chimes in and says, Awesome. That was awesome. And just, you know, like, really tells Eleven that everything that he had said about her being a traitor, that he was wrong about everything, and he apologizes to her. So, like, what do you think it was that made Lucas, you know, made make Lucas have a change of heart about Eleven?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's the dramatically increased seriousness of everything. Like, it's right. like, because he was outside the facility, saw the military vehicles, realizes that that gate is behind like these crazy in this facility i guess um and saw so everything take off suddenly the like squabbles as to whose side who is on when yeah. the person you're angry at is flipping vans over people's heads like it's just so obvious now that it's going to be the like if they're not together then yeah that's crazy because they're against such a huge foe i don't know what do you, like what about you
0: yeah i totally agree like you know, this kind of put it in perspective a little bit for him that (laughs) it it all got real for him that, you know, like, this is this is about more than just jealousy about this girl spending time with his best friend that he has come to the realization that, you know, there is a real big bad who's after them and 11 is not it. So yeah, like, I totally agree. I think that it was maybe just like, you know, now that he's really kind of Realizing and seeing what they're up against, that yeah. he, may, he might have had, you know, a bit of a realization too of like what Eleven might have, you know, sort of been through or whatever when right. he was like that, you know, that one girl in this military complex or whatever.
1: That's um, a good but point.
0: Yeah. That was really great to see. And, and then, I think
1: too, like they, they, um, it's funny because we, we've talked about this. You know how um Hopper knows of it from the side of of this this conspiracy theory with the energy lab, but he doesn't know about the monster. And the boys have really been dealing with it from the monster perspective. Yeah. So this is really their eyes opening to how governmental and conspiracy theory ish like the, the other side of it is. And right. not only do they have to battle this like scary monster, but now they've got authority figures that they have to like evade. And you know, and I think that you know really gets through especially to dustin who seems to have not sorry dustin lucas who seems to have some familiarity with like military like yes you know we referenced that earlier so it's like if you're up against that then you know you're in real trouble too
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I totally agree and I like I really think that maybe for for Lucas and not just for him but for all of them where whereas, you know, like when they were able to put it in Dungeons and Dragons terms, it kind of right. felt felt probably almost like an adventure. Yeah. Um, you know, they're hunting a demogorgon in real life, but you know, I think that this has kind of made everyone realize that yeah. um it's a whole lot bigger than um than than maybe just this like adventure that they were on that there's yeah. real real danger here yeah
1: um
0: and so 11 um she she tells lucas after he apologizes that friends don't lie and that she's sorry too and then uh, mike chimes in with his own apologies and then um he and lucas shake hands so all is right with our with our core four and uh, and then credits
1: Just in time, too, because they definitely need to be friends in this episode. 100%. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so after the credits, we go... We're at the Hawkins police station, and Joyce has just arrived to find Jonathan there. Um, She can't believe that he's in handcuffs. She demands they be taken off, and Hopper really backs her up on this. It's great to Mm -hmm. see, like, the two of them just in total cahoots. Um, Yeah. But the other dummy cops um they're like you have to see there's more to it and that's when they find the monster hunting uh materials that they had recently purchased at the army supply store which look a lot like murder slash torture materials if you don't have the context of the monster (laughs) little little bit yeah Uh, so hopper is asking jonathan what that's for and um, Jonathan says, you won't believe me. And he says, why don't you give me a try? And, of course, we know that Hopper is way more into the uh, understanding than Jonathan's giving him credit for. But that's kind of where that scene ends. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I I really... Um... I I love that uh, that Hopper backs Joyce up, no questions asked. As you said, like it really yeah. feels more and more like they're uh, a team. And even from the very beginning, I mean, like Hopper Hopper, you know, seems to have this connection with Joyce. Um, like we've mentioned previously, there seems to be like something in their past there. That um, you know, yeah. like the, that's really connecting them. But I do. I love having them as a team, which is awesome. And of course, we're going to see a whole lot. You know, the team gets bigger as the episode goes on. Um, that's right. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so bear traps in the trunk is questionable, but uh, <laughs> but Hopper <laughs> Hopper is open minded. We have seen so. <laughs> Um okay so then Karen goes into the basement af- after Mike has this like I'm a, I'm leaving the country moment. Um <clears throat> so he goes she goes down to find Mike and the basement is empty and she sees that the um the like blanket fort's been destroyed and she looks a little closer and she sees uh, a hair from Eleven's wig, like a blonde hair. And then uh the doorbell starts ringing incessantly and when Mike's parents go to the door, it's Dr. Brenner and all of his men and his one woman agent. And they're all posing as like federal agents or something. Um, Yep. So they do like a big collecting of evidence around the house. I don't know why. Why did they have to take all this box of stuff? Like.
1: Like. I mean. Yeah. I know. I mean, they're, like, upstairs in weird parts of the house. I know that they don't know that she's never been there, but it's definitely, like, yeah, just super arrogant and ridiculous that they can just, like, come in and, you know, behave in this way.
0: Yes, 100%. So they go down in the basement, and it's, like, it almost feels, like, violating because the basement, like, Mike's basement has been, like, our headquarters, (laughs) not only for the boys, but for the viewer as well, that you actually feel, like, like, how dare you that's right and then and then in a you know it's not in this scene but in a in a future scene you see that they've packed up the Dungeons and Dragons game and they're like yes you know taking it away for evidence yeah and you're like oh, I can't believe you <laughs> I
1: know I thought that too
0: um so they're searching the house and they're questioning Mike's parents and they tell Mike's parents that you know Mike's been hiding a girl and uh what's Mike's dad's name do we know
1: I don't think we know. Like, I, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so my dad especially is just like, Mike with a girl. I don't think so. Oh,
1: these parrots. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's like, if Mike were
0: hiding a girl, we'd know about it, wouldn't we? And- yeah, I
1: like what he says, wouldn't we? You know? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like a beat, and he's like, we would know, right? I'm right, like, dear. No, you wouldn't, because you know nothing about your nothing. family.
0: And honestly, like, the no. only reason why Karen p- hesitates at all is because she just found this blonde wig hair it's not because she is any more observant really i mean she is more involved obviously than mike's dad but um you know it's not like it's not like she's noticed 11 either so like so karen starts losing it and then and uh the the female agent tag teams out for dr brenner who is like at height level creepiness i mean
1: Agreed. He
0: gives them this like weird speech about, you know, your son's in real danger and we are going to help him, but we need you to trust us and whatever. And I guess like saying those words, I'm like, okay, well, that seems like a reasonable thing for someone posing as a federal agent to say. And yet he said it in this like such a weird, creepy, intensive way that it just gives you the Wiggins.
1: Well, and I, like, so I thought, because he says to her, do you trust me? And he waits for a response. Yeah. And I just, like, that's so atypical, you know? You would never pose the question like that it would be like you really need to trust us we know what we're doing um but like to actually like do you trust me wait for that response which i think is like a you know psychology thing to like get her to acknowledge that she trusts him out loud and then he like is trying to like build upon that um but yeah he's absolutely like of course it doesn't fully work because we see in a bit that she's like "Eh, that guy's creepy but like um yeah, it's just his manner of dealing with it, it's very similar, you know, to how he's, like, it's like he's used to, like, talking Eleven into things, and she is a young, impressionable girl who's never been to anything. It's like, it's not going to work on these parents, or at least it's right. not going to work as well, yeah. That's what I
0: was just going to say. It's like, I feel like he was talking to them as if he was talking to, like, a child of, like, yeah. one of one of his tus- test subjects who he has to, yeah. like, you know, coax into doing things in this, like, weird, creepy, soothing voice way yeah. I don't
1: know. He, As a guy he, who like preys on people who have um you know, it would seem like who are kinda on the outskirts of society or have drug problems or who are on or regular takers of LSD. You know what I mean? Like he's always worked, worked with like marginalized seeming people. That's how he's able to take such great advantage of them without it becoming a huge thing. Um and then yeah, so he's using that same kind of thing, but it's like this is right. too established. Yeah. But of course it works perfectly well with Mr. Wheeler. Yeah, He's, um, he's so, like, yep, <laughs> it is a you really betcha.
0: I trust you through <laughs> and through. <Yeah>. You're great. <laughs> and i like, yeah. I know that we're going to come to this later. And so I'll talk about it later. But like in talk, in thinking about that, like, this is how Dr. Brenner talks to people. And this is how we've seen Dr. Brenner sort of talk to Eleven, where it's this like,
1: yeah, right, yeah.
0: levels of concern or, you know, like, <clears throat> I don't know, he's, he's putting on these heirs that Eleven really bought into I think you know she was calling him Papa and she expected you know she expected him to um, take care of her in this twisted way even though you know he time and time again you know he didn't Um, and then like if so if you just like keep that in mind and contrast that to her Um, interactions with Joyce Joyce later in the episode.
1: Yeah. Oh, It was was
0: just like, you know, it was so great to see those moments and there was such a stark contrast that you could almost like feel the difference in the way that Eleven was taking this in, you know, like...
1: Well, she is such a great actor. I agree. And we should talk about it when it comes up. But yeah, she's such a great actor. She conveys that immediately, the difference in parental figures. uh, Agreed. But
0: um yeah so like so listeners just like remember <laughs> remember dr dr brennan's communication style in this scene and then we're just like when we get to the scene we're gonna talk more about like the way that joyce right. communicates with 11 uh
1: so from there we're back at this same junkyard and lucas is drawing a map on the ground of the lab that he had come across and where the the fact that there's gates all around it Um, And the compass is pointing to the gate being inside. And here I feel like we do get a bit of a reveal that we've been talking about all season, which is that Mike says they're you know, they reference the fact that it's the energy lab. And Mike's like, that's just a front, basically. It's military and it's weapons to fight the commies. So this kind of, for me, helped better understand what Hawkins thinks this place is. Um, And that at least people in the know recognize that the energy lab thing is a total front, but then they are okay with that because it's the Cold War and this is just kind of what happens,
0: Um, which makes a lot more sense to me. There was like... I totally agree. And you saw it like in the previous scene just really quickly when Dr. Brennan was talking about this like girl that uh, Mike was right. harboring. And she's Russian. And uh yeah. Yeah, she, she's not Russian, <laughs> is she? Yeah, so I mean like it speaks to the times yeah. for sure and you're right. It really speaks to why the town would be completely fine with um thinking or suspecting or or knowing outright that weapons are being developed in this, right. you know, seemingly you know, seemingly um, pretty nondescript energy. Yeah, and have. Bretter's
1: got like a double blind protection, right? Because all he can, like, even if people are like, well, you're not doing energy, it's like, yeah, well, it's top secret Cold War stuff. And they're like, oh, okay. But but it's like, well, no, it's actually a whole other level below that and right. he's opening up portals to other like, worlds. It's a bit of a problem, but it all falls under this, like, everybody going along with the That's protection right. level of, of what's happening. So... Um, so they recognize that that is a military place. It's not going to be uh, easy to get into, basically. Um, they realize as well that they can't go home um, because they're now fugitives, because they they got burned. And they can no longer go to their house. And then, like, as they're using this, like, really intense language, I think even they are surprised to hear a helicopter flying towards them in the distance. So, like, they recognize how crazy this is, and even they are surprised by the level of in magnitude to which they're being hunted down. Um, which is very true. Like, it's like, it's so crazy that that helicopter just appears to go, like, go looking for them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For sure. I, I will say that, I mean, like, you, okay, so if we kind of go back a little bit to the fact that this energy lab is at the same time both incredibly sophisticated and like hilariously not amateur hour <laughs> at the yeah. same time yeah exactly so we have like a fleet of you know heavily armed men helicopters circling you know uh, all of this stuff to find Eleven now that they know exactly where she is but I mean I, they weren't even going door to yeah. door before I mean <laughs>
1: They yeah, we're doing really think she was Exactly. All that time. Yeah, that's right. Nothing.
0: Good point. Right, this is yeah. a pretty small town. Like, where Where was the hunt previously? <sighs> um, but either, either way, way, now they that they know have where found she is. her
1: blonde wig on, on, you see, Kim? So, <laughs> this is <like laughs> Of
0: course. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <What are you?
0: laughs> they, they never, never <laughs> would have cracked that <laughs> yeah. uh, disguise. Um so yeah so they stash their bikes under a bus and they're you know they're hiding from the helicopter um and then we go back to the police station so jonathan and nancy they're filling in hopper and joyce on their encounter with the creature like they show the picture of the creature behind barb and they tell them about their theory that it's drawn to blood and so of course i mean we we knew it wouldn't go any other way but obviously hopper and joyce are you know uh Now completely convinced that the bear traps are not for (laughs) murder. murder. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So Joyce is super pissed that Jonathan, like he that he just took it upon himself to go after this creature by himself. Because, of course, she's like, you know, what if it had taken you too? you act like you're alone in the world, but you're not alone. Um, And it's true, really, like we had talked about this previously like Joyce Joyce knew this okay. whole time she's the one who was convincing Jonathan and when Jonathan finally found out that his mom was right instead of instead of telling her that he knew confirming all of the things you know he just did his own thing I really feel like
1: he should be like mom um, there's this really hot girl and she also <laughs> believes in the monster and if I had involved you it would have been a real That's right. Joy, I really wanted so someone on one
0: time in the you. woods with Nancy <laughs> That's right. I'm considering this yeah. our first date
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saved her life this is like a big deal right. yeah
0: um, and so in the other room uh, we hear the, the bully with the broken arm is in there and his mom back,
1: back again, again this bully kid. So his penny, mom yeah. is
0: just ripping a strip off of uh, one of the terrible officers, and like as bad as these cops are, we have talked about it before. I mean, in this scene, you gotta love it a little bit that they that they're being super dicks to yes. <laughs> to the bully yes. and his She's horrible mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so the the bully starts to describe, like, what happened to him, and he talks about this, like, girl with a shaved head who broke his arm using superpowers. So Hopper, obviously, is like, well, that, that sounds like exactly who we're looking for. Um, yeah. And so the bully tells Hopper that she always hangs out with, like, Mike and his friends. So now, of course, they know, you know, like, they know who Ooh. she's with. If they find yeah. Mike, they'll find this girl, yeah. right? Yeah. Um yeah. and then yeah, there was this moment too where he was like, She has powers like she can make you fly, she can make a you pee your pants. <laughs> and then one of it's the dick song, cops yeah. was like, Really? <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like a little girl broke his arm. Uh yeah. No, it's uh, probably the end of the bully, uh, but an excellent scene to, like, put down together the pieces as to where Elle truly is for Hopper before the Dr. Brenner and team find her.
0: Totally. Uh,
1: okay, so then epic important scene because we're back with Steve. Why? Who looks, like, like super like- rough. <laughs> Uh, obviously, he did get the shit kicked out of him, but, like, it is... Jonathan see put it, yeah. a
0: beating on Absolutely. him. Absolutely.
1: Um, and he hasn't cleaned up whatsoever since this happened. Like, he has not even washed the blood off of his face, so he looks quite terrible. And he's with those loser friends that we continue to hate, um, who get him, like, a Coke and some Advil or whatever. And then um, the friends, like, start bad-mouthing Jonathan and, like... <laughs> All kinds of stuff and how he's really going to get it next. And then Carol jokes about him screwing Nancy. And then Steve just, like...
0: Lost it. Just snaps. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he tells her to stop and that they're both assholes. Thank you, Steve. We... Uh, Agree with you. Yes. Um, And that he basically indicates that it was their graffiti and he was complicit, but not actually the graffiti er. Right. um, Which I think is, you know, important. And Steve didn't stop him, but he should have. And he stands up for Nancy. And he basically says that they don't like her because she's not miserable like them. And yeah, stands up with like, and then gets into a shoving match with his buddy. And instead of getting in a fight with his buddy, which is probably a good choice, he just drives away super super fast in his fancy BMW. But I was impressed with the scene of Steve.
0: Okay, like so, here's my thing. Like, I'm glad that Steve is kind of seeing the error to his dickish ways. Yes, and that he is having a change of heart, and he's telling his friends that they're assholes because they are. So this is good development for Steve. Um, but I just don't know, like, why do we care? What is right. the point of Steve? Right. I mean, o- other than um, him being the antagonist to Jonathan, him being like essentially a plot device in the early episodes in order for Nancy to choose Jonathan instead of him. Yeah. I just, I guess I don't know what the continued relevance of Steve is. Like, why do we care still?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Because when I certainly, when I first saw him, I was like, ugh. Like, this Mm -hmm. is annoying. Although I did like the couple of scenes he gets here. I did like... For sure. um, I don't know. I guess the part that I liked about this was that, you know, this is an incredibly small town with, like, these, like... I think Carol and boyfriend and Steve represent the majority points of view in this life. You know what I mean? Um, Versus, like, Jonathan and um, Nancy. And I feel like it's just, like, it's him kind of being having his eyes open and while i hope at the end that it's jonathan and nancy together that like steve is like kind of recognized that it's through his own short-sightedness and small-mindedness that he kind of did this i don't know i'm hoping for character growth there where he becomes better but i hear what you're saying for sure
0: And I like I I completely agree with all of your points for sure. I just feel like in order in order for there to be some kind of continued reason for Steve to even be in the story at this point, because I mean, like what I just I don't know why we care about his character growth unless that character growth is going to bring him to do you think serve some relevance in the story. So you know like. If, I don't know, like, I'm just throwing stuff out there, but, like, you know, uh, if he shows up at the last moment somewhere... Yeah, maybe and maybe he saves somebody. Yes, yeah, like, he saves somebody, yeah. you know, he has chosen Jonathan. to abandon his dickish friends. Yeah. You think he'll save Jonathan?
1: I don't know. I don't but like th- it would make more sense than Nancy to me, because, like, now he has to, like, fully act out that he is a better person and do the right thing with maybe somebody he doesn't necessarily like.
0: I don't know that I, I. don't know that I see it with Jonathan. I would say I would see it with Barb. Yeah, but
1: Barb. Barb is in trouble. Okay, but I have theories. <laughs> I like that you're really holding on. I'm holding. I'm. I
0: refuse
1: to accept. It. And I really think Barb's not alive anymore. Okay. But I would love to hear this. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, Steve is gonna. So we will. So we will
0: see. (laughs) See what happens with Steve, but
1: hopefully
0: there's some. Confronted
1: with Barb's body plastered in like monster goo with like a slug coming over She lives on. Okay. No, no, she lives
0: okay but you know what we're gonna come we're gonna come back to that theory okay
1: we will discuss that at that point but yeah we are gonna come to Barb
0: I will not let Barb go okay okay so at Mike's place the lab agents are still collecting evidence the Dungeons and Dragons game gets put, put in the trunk of a car assholes Um,
1: I know that's a great shot though
0: like of just it's like a
1: close up of the box and you're like
0: what and then um, Nancy and Hopper so they're watching from a distance uh, so of course they know now that Eleven is with Mike so they uh, head to Mike's Place and are looking through binoculars and see All of these agents so Nancy really Wants to go home she's concerned about her family And she's concerned about Mike but um, Hopper says she can't like she can't They can't afford to let these Lab agents know that Nancy's mixed up in in all of it And um, he points to the helicopter Flying overhead and says You know they obviously haven't found Mike yet So Um Hopper asks Nancy where Mike might have gone Like a place that his parents don't know about And she doesn't know But Jonathan uh, Comes up with the idea of getting Will's walkie talkie to um, communicate with yes. the boys So they go back to Joyce's place To um, to get the walkie talkie And there's this like amazing little Moment <laughs> When um, Nancy comes in and just like Takes in the alphabet on the wall And the Christmas lights every there, Everywhere and she's just like Whoa
1: and like the hole in the wall, like I mean, her house just looks like such a disaster at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, yes.
0: <laughs> it is a wreck. Um, it is an absolute wreck. Um, yeah. So, uh, so good on you, Jonathan. Good thinking.
1: Yeah, and I love that. Like again, I mean, I totally get why, but it, it it's you know, Hopper immediately knows not to mess around here like there's no going in like that house is dead to him now like he won't even let nancy go see her parents because this is just like you now have to stay as far away from it as possible and like not going to notify adults that their kids are safe at the risk of like setting the chain of events off further like it's just the seriousness level at which it's being taken by you know a key adult character is just really awesome yeah
0: agreed to me yes yeah
1: Um, So then we're back on the bus where the boys are hiding from the helicopter and they hear Nancy's voice coming through the radio. And I really like this because they have to really kind of debate back and forth um, as to whether this is a trap or not. And I think, you know, they're really right to be that suspicious. And um, you mentioned Lando Calrissian for us Star Wars fans out there, obviously like being forced into trapping your own friends. Um, and then the chief tries, and it, the only thing I felt here was that the attempts could have been a little bit more, like, yeah. overt about how they recognize these, they should be treating them suspiciously. Like, I really felt like, and I, maybe they're worried that it's being listened to. Who, who um, do you mean? Which it is an open radio. Like, who? Well, like, both Nancy and Homer. Right, okay. Like, I feel like, they're like, we want to protect you, you just have to pick up. I want them to be like, we recognize that there is a helicopter over your head and there are like people posing as like fake people or something. I don't know. Just a little, I wanted a little bit more of a reference, but obviously they get the point because Mike responds. So it all ends just fine. But yeah, they're right to be suspicious for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I definitely had to, even though I have seen Star Wars many a time, I still had to Google Lando Calrissian Himmy. just to remind myself of... I know um, It has been a long time since I have seen Star Wars But um, I've seen it I just didn't remember But like you know props to Stranger Things I feel because Like I think that there's lots of other You know shows or movies or whatever Out there where they yes. Spoon feed
1: no, yeah. It's and like just they'll drop in. a reference yeah. yeah good point yeah.
0: They, they, they like drop a reference and then they'll explicitly explain yeah. that reference um, And uh, you know I was kind of even though I had to Google it to remind myself. I was still like, you know, Absolutely. Not for three And I'm
1: sure, you know what, for every like one that I'm catching, there's like ten that I'm not because I like was not yeah. I was not these guys' age in the eighties. I am definitely a child of the eighties Yeah, I wasn't quite as old. So it's you know, it is both my culture and not my culture this decade. So um yeah. Um
0: so then we're back with Steve. Um, but Your favorite. It's, he's he's better, better Steve. That's right, um, new and improved. Yeah, so he, that's right. He goes back to the movie theater where the graffiti um, was written about Nancy, and there's a worker like already up there cleaning off the graffiti, and he offers to help. Um, so uh, just another really quick. I love that you know, like his face Steve. is still
1: caked in blood too. Like actually yeah. <laughs> really like, it's still it, He's like I'm gonna help you clean it up. I can't even open my like right eye and it's like covered in blood, but I'm gonna help you. <laughs> so like why
0: why do you think that Steve had such this such a sudden change yeah, of heart? I don't
1: know. It does feel like not fully developed. Um other than, like, he literally had it beaten into him. Right. Which is probably not a good lesson to take away. Uh, like, just beat up your enemies and... Like, but it, maybe... Okay. This is really just coming to me, so if this is not fully formed, then... Lay it you on Don't blame me, but there's... There's the bully that's, you know, been tracking Mike, Mm -hmm. um, who has been such a problem, and that bully has learned nothing. In fact, that bully's attempt to deal with it is to, like, make Mike jump off of a cliff to his certain death if Elle had not saved him. Um, And then, even then, he still doesn't learn to, like, keep his mouth shut and tell his mom that he, like fell down. Instead, they're going to the cops about this, like, little girl to try and get her in trouble, when he obviously has not told the story to his mom as to, like, why is his arm broken? Oh, because he tried to kill a kid, basically.
0: (laughs) I'm sure he left that Um, part out.
1: So there's, like, that's right, there's that bully, Um, and then there's, like, Steve who kind of represents an older style of bully, which is, like, different than the one that you deal with when you're, like, a kid, and um, but his friends are bullies, right? And it's, like, this so if the in The Younger Bully, it just brings about the behavior even worse, you're seeing the parallel thing with Steve, but you're actually seeing him, like, develop and, you know, improve and recognize faults instead. And because you keep seeing both those characters continue to show up, it's, like, to parallel against each other? I don't know. That's... Not like fully formed beyond it being more character development, but like maybe the other bully is a bit of a foil. I guess is my point.
0: Yeah, no, like I but, could definitely see that. I de- I really kind of see you know like the grown up version of uh, Mike's bully is Steve's friend. You know, like who is like yeah, no agree. remorse yeah. and no consideration, whatever. And then I guess I feel like I don't know. I um, like I, like Steve is like the like the Freddie Prince Jr of bullies. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um so it's like uh, I don't know. So like, you know, you make a bet at the beginning of the movie that you're going to like go out with the weird girl or whatever and then he has this change Judge of heart and, heart and, and it, realizes yeah. the error of his ways.
1: <laughs> so Spoiler like, alert for she's all that, Let's my Throw friend. a little 90s in the
0: <laughs> yeah. 80s party. Seen this <laughs>
1: Classic 1999 film <laughs> starring okay, like, Freddie Prinze Jr. with the spiky hair. So true. I, like, aren't there, aren't there <laughs> others? <laughs> aren't there
0: like all kinds of these like <laughs> high school, t- like rom-com things? Yeah. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. My so I guess yes. it was just like, I don't know why he yeah. had this sudden change yeah. of heart, but I think that you're probably right. Like he was just like, <laughs> you know, through the course of it, seeing, I don't know, he's like growing.
1: But, yeah it's a good point as to like why does it matter the creator of stranger things we don't understand Steve I think that's but a fair until
0: point. he saves Barb and then we will have seen I, why
1: I really want us to get to this point
0: okay let's go um.
1: uh, so we're at the wheelers and this is where we see that great um, piece from Mike's dad because now the agents have left and Karen references as we kind of heard already said that um, you know, Dr. Brenner gives her the creeps, <laughs> And the dad is like, they're the government, and they're on our side. <laughs> it's like, so.
0: That's right. We should do as they say. We should trust them, because they're our government,
1: and, then, and they're like, on our Karen's side. And then, Karen says something really reasonable, which is like, well, maybe Nancy is involved, too, because, like, she also can't be found. And uh, the dad, again, is like, Nancy would never be with Mike. That's crazy. And... Yeah, I just, these people are hilarious and I really think it just serves a really great foil, for, in this case, against Joyce, who is like, I absolutely 1000% believe you and why are you doing things without me? Because I should be involved. These guys would never ever in a million years remotely believe anything that is happening no, here. No,
0: there's no, no. chance. Uh, so we're back at the bus and Dustin's starting to get super anxious about how long they've been waiting. Um, and th- there was like this little thing where... Lucas was like, why would the chief set us up? The chief would never set us up. Nancy might, but not the chief. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike had this look like, really, dude? <laughs> uh, so just just a little throwaway there. Um, yeah. So cars approach, but it's not Hopper. Um, it is agents who are searching the area. And like, just as they're about to find the kids in the bus, he gets taken out from behind by Hopper. And then there's like... Um, I loved it when they were like, you know, fighting noises off <laughs> <laughs> off screen. And then Hopper has, you know, like now taken out all four agents. Yeah. And he's like, come on, let's go. Um, so then when they get back to Joyce's place where uh, everyone else is waiting for them, Nancy runs out to Mike and gives him a hug. She was really worried. Mike seems a little bit taken aback by this like overt, showing of affection from Nancy. Um but he says that he was worried about her too. And then she sees Eleven wearing her dress. <laughs> and little throwaway, is that my dress? And yeah. uh, end of Yes it is. Yes it is.
1: You missed your wig too <laughs> earlier. That's right. That's right. Um so now we've got the whole group together, which is really awesome. Your yeah, first time ever. That's right. Everybody and this is like from here on it just again like it's like everybody's doing things and like solving things and like trying to figure things
0: out and know. together. So And so I I love this too. Okay, like um without jumping too far ahead, but like okay, so I love just in this initial scene that that you're about to take us through, I love that the boys, um, they have so much information to share. They have figured out so much stuff. It's like, you know, these are, you know, not just kids to be dismissed. They are real integral members of this team who probably know more about, you know, the whys of this stuff than... You know, than than the adults do, and whatever. Anyway, it was great. Yeah.
1: So what? Well, let's jump into that one. So it is. It's Mike doing the uh, drawing of the acrobat and the flea. The same explanation that Mister Clark had given earlier, talking about the upside down and the gate and how they found the gate. Um, And then Hopper. There's this kind of moment where he says, "Is the gate underground and near a large water tank?" And Al says, "Yes, it is." And like, I really liked his eye contact here because I think, yeah, really like emphasizes that he recognizes just what a shitty like in a way that the the boys can't. I think you know, as a guy who's lost a daughter and as is a grown up, I think he's just like, "Oh my god," you know, like you're the little girl who's lived in that hellhole for like all this time.
0: Yes, and like. I don't know why it was more impactful to do it this way, but he like the way that he asked Eleven this, like super eye contact and he says, is it underground? And she says, yes. And he says, is it near a large water tank? And she says, yes. I don't know. It was just like the way that that, it was. Yeah. I don't know. He seemed to um, recognize the weight of like the, the weight behind those very simple questions, because the fact that she knows those things to be true, you're right. Like it was because she lived there. She, you know, anyway, it was good.
1: Um, So um, 11 says she can try and find Will and Nancy pipes in and Barb and in the upside down. So she's concentrating and she's trying to do it from sitting at the table. um, And she's trying to do it through the radio. So Mm -hmm. you can like the lights kind of come on and off and there's the static, but she can't, find it um and she's really emotional like i think it's really clear she wants to be able to um help or you know track them down i think she's really committed to it but she can't seem to do it so she's there's a scene of her in the bathroom and she's crying and she washes her face and that's when she sees the bathtub so in as we've seen in previous flashbacks the bathtub slash sensory deprivation tank are kind of interchangeable language for dr brenner's um and so the boys are kind of filling everybody in and how Eleven can get really drained if she's, like, working really hard. And she um, comes in and says that she can help find Will and Barb, like, in the bath. Um, So that is kind of what we're going to get set up for towards the end of this episode. So,
0: Like, you're so right. I mean, like, so. so Eleven was super emotional in these scenes. And, you know, she goes to the bathroom to, like, just wash her face. Like, and she's really emotional there, too. And if you, like, think back, if just of the series of events that have happened with just Eleven in, like, these past, you know couple of episodes but very close in terms of the time period that they happen in in her life right right? so it's like she has this big falling out with mike and lucas she gives no fucks and robs a uh, grocery (laughs) store then she goes to mike's aid and breaks a guy's arm then goes back to mike's and just you know as soon as she started to get settled is chased down by men she then you know flips over this van presumably killing or injuring like the people who are inside and now like it's it's just like i feel like she's kind of reaching a breaking point
1: yeah and obviously like the number of people depending on her has grown and now includes grown-ups too so like yeah. that's probably not helping the level of pressure that she's yeah. feeling and you're right like completely we saw in the flashbacks too right like there's a lot of pressure put on her by grown-ups and like you know this is the expectation of you and so um and like everybody's extremely emotional at this point and it's been a while since will had any kind of contact as we know so
0: um yeah yeah definitely like there was a lot of emotions going on too when she said that she couldn't find barb and will um so and um like Joyce had said in an earlier episode as well, like she could feel him and now she couldn't. No, she can't. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I think from Joyce's perspective, hearing that she couldn't, he, she couldn't find him, like, you know, emotions were definitely running really high. Yeah. Um, So then a quick shot of the thing. This is the movie. I also had to Google this. I was going to say, did you
1: know that? No, I I had to Google
0: it. Okay. Um, so Mr. Clark is having a movie date night and they're watching hot date. I know I Mr. Know. Clark. <gasps>
1: I'm like, Good yeah. for
0: you. I know.
1: Also, I just want to say like, this is what you do when you need to figure out how to build a sensory deprivation tank before there's the no Internet. Google. Yes. That's right. <laughs> you <can> call your <laughs> science teacher
0: at 10, 10 p.m. <laughs> on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: and I just want to say Mr. Clark owes them since he set all of the Hawkins lab totally. people on them. And not that anybody knows that at this point. And he like, did.
0: He did not you take this keep that Clark. curiosity, Laura, locked. Yeah.
1: Aw, <laughs> um, oh, Dustin. Oh, my God. It's so funny. This is such a great conversation.
0: Also, like, I'm really impressed with the breadth of knowledge that <laughs> Mr. Clark has. <laughs> he seems to just know all the science slash science fiction-y slash theoretical science there is
1: if you weren't so like wholesome seeming i would be like similar to hopper mr clark was formerly like <laughs> that's a right physics professor who has been like you know <laughs> had a horrendous thing happen to him <laughs> and is now therefore back in hawkins and is like <laughs> intelligence light years yeah. ahead of his peers because you're right he's like I mean, obviously, he's a kind of a nerdy guy who's interested in a lot of things, but he knows so many things. He knows the
0: exact number of pounds of salt that you need to make a sensory deprivation <laughs> chamber. That is very specific knowledge. That's right. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah. So, uh, so, of course, he takes the call from Dustin. Dustin asks him about the se- how to build the sensory deprivation tank um he asks him why he would keep this curiosity door locked and then <laughs> that like shames him into uh taking the call so dustin gets the gets the info he needs
1: it's just like such a great exchange very well written dustin actor again on absolute like top of his game and I just love that like what is this for fun like it just like, answers right away I know. and I love that Mr. Clark just doesn't think that that's yeah, weird he's that's just that's the going second with weird it. thing like same as the Swedish cousin conversation he's just like okay like these are just weird kids uh they're just being kind of like normal levels of weird yeah and then as uh,
0: like when Dustin's finished taking his notes he's like yeah yeah we'll be careful yeah. bye <laughs> But Mr. Clark hangs up. Yeah. But seriously, they're building a sensory deprivation tank. That's, <laughs> I mean, sounds that like could a really, easy could way for really a kid to wrong.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> really wrong.
1: Don't worry, there's grown-ups there, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we found out they need a kiddie pool and 1,500
0: pounds That's
1: of right. salt. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, we move immediately forward to Hopper and Jonathan, uh, everybody is now at the high school, or the school, I guess, um, it's their school, right, so maybe it's the middle school, I don't really understand schools, um, uh, one of the two, one of the schools, and, um, they're getting the de-icing salt that's used on the roads, um, and Jonathan and Hopper start talking about what are they gonna do um when they find will, knowing that this creature is still out there, and Hopper, just like Joyce, well I maybe not just like Joyce. I'm mean, so Hopper is saying we're not going to do anything because Hopper wants to go and deal with it um, and he is gonna go find will on his own, and he is the one who's gonna risk his life and nobody else will. Um, I loved
0: this moment between Hopper and Jonathan. Yeah. I felt like this was such a parental moment that, you know, like, that Hopper was like, you need to trust me. I am going to find him. You are not going to put yourself in danger or whatever. It was just like, you know, I felt felt like uh, Jonathan has always done things on his own and he's always had to be such a grown up and... Um,
1: exactly absolutely like when has anyone ever said when is a male figure ever said to him just trust me it's we're good at like I, I can do this you know yes
0: yeah uh that felt very dad-like in it and not
1: made him shoot a rabbit or something
0: yeah exactly
1: father of the year yeah um so, in addition to them getting the salt, we're seeing everybody kind of doing their own tasks. So, <laughs> Lucas and Dustin are hilariously trying to set up the kiddie pool. I'd forgotten about this style of pool with the like floppy edges until you put water in it. Yes. Uh, I was thinking of like a much smaller kiddie pool in my mind when they were talking about it. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. So, they're getting this kiddie pool set up, and then there's a hilarious scene of Nancy and Mike getting hoses, and they're saying how. Um, You know, like, they haven't been paying attention to each other's lives, and Nancy thought, you know, Mike was being weird because of Will, and he thought the same thing about Nancy because of Steve, and they promised no more secrets. And then, like, Mike immediately says, like, so do you like Jonathan? And she's like, what, what? And then she's like, what about L?" And neither of them want to talk about it. So it's like, it's a, just a funny like piece of writing about, because I was like, the second the brother and sister promised no more secrets, that's a terrible idea. Because of but, course you're going to have secrets A hundred percent. and sister. But it, it, like, it is, it's so
0: nice to see Mike and Nancy kind of get yes. on the same page and reconnect sure. and whatever. Because we haven't seen it in the show, of course, but we know that they used to be much closer, right? That's right. Um, so, so that's, you know, really nice to see for sure
1: absolutely a big wake-up call for nancy that like mike's not just playing dungeons and dragons in the basement there is like a literal game of dungeons and dragons happening in the entire world right now and she was mike's got
0: real shit going on (laughs) (laughs)
1: this is is a big deal your your
0: boy stuff is not everything in the world nancy of course she knows that now but (laughs) (laughs) even when she was like going on you know like dates with Steve to parties and whatever like Mike had a fugitive hidden in the basement so
1: (laughs) you had no idea that's right Um, and so then we cut to Joyce um, and Eleven together and she's making her like blacked out goggles that she can wear because she needs to not be able to see when she's in the chamber or the bath or whatever. Yeah. Um, and this gets back to what we had already talked about for sure. But you, um, Joyce here as a parental figure versus Dr. Brenner. Um, so Joyce is saying how brave she Eleven is and how much she appreciates everything that she's doing for her and Will. And how she's going to be there the whole time and she can come out if it gets too scary. Like, all things that were never, ever a part of the experience when Dr. Brenner is involved. And it's just like, again, Eleven doesn't even really have to say anything other than, like, just her facial reactions, I think, are so impressive here to show that that it's really makes an impact.
0: I agree. Yeah, like the actress who plays Eleven in, I mean, she's been good throughout the whole series, but in this episode in particular, I really feel like she just knocked it out of the park because okay. she isn't saying much, you know, she has, yeah, she's hasn't like 50 said words
1: much. the entire season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: but um, she like really nailed a lot of nuances in her performance just through her facial expressions and body language and you know like the emotions that she was conveying and I loved this scene a lot and um, I really thought that it was like um, a beautiful moment. Like I, like I'm not even going to lie, that I was like in in this scene. I was just like, oh my god, when they finally find Will, maybe Eleven can just come and live with Joyce.
1: I know, I know. I mean, it's like super. Yeah, I know Terry is
0: like Terry Ives is sitting heartbroken in her living room, waiting for her daughter to come home. So that probably won't happen. <laughs> but yeah, I, like a hundred percent. I was just like, oh, Eleven
1: needs a mom, and Joyce is so good. I know. And I think it really, too, like, not that we ever didn't know this, but, yes. um, you know, everybody is calling Joyce crazy, and it just shows how completely yeah. sane and with it she is. Because, you know, like, um, even if she were, like, completely distraught and just focused on Will, she, you know, the fact that she can take herself out and recognize that this is another child who has been through abuse of her own to, like, become what she is, and that she's going to help them, and that she, you know, you can come out and you don't have to stay in there. Like, it's just really impressive that she is just you know really so in understanding what's going on around her agreed um so then it's just really them finishing off the creation of the tank they're um fine tuning the salt content to make sure that the egg floats (laughs) um they set up the radio and then 11 steps in so yeah good good tank building Good good instructions from Doctor Clark. I mean, Uh, Doctor Clark, Mister Clark.
0: They were on point. That's Um, right. Yeah. So eleven like steps into the pool, the electricity surges, and then just like you know, immediately at least to the viewers, she just opens her eyes and she's in this like, she's in the like the in between the black neutral zone. Um, Mm -hmm. So she starts to walk forward and she calls Barb's name and she sees like we see there's like something in the distance and it's a body that's covered in like ooze and organic stuff. And there's like a slug crawling out of its mouth and whatever. And then Nancy asks, is Barb okay? And Eleven is like super traumatized. Um, She just starts screaming gone, gone over and over again. And she paces. Um, So like 100% this is a dead body. But is it Barb's dead body?
1: Okay. So that's the... The theory is that this is somebody else? Okay. Well, you know what? I,
0: I even, like, fully admit and recognize <laughs> that this is far-fetched. Because I actually, like, paused. I paused this and went back several times to look at this body. And it does really look a lot like Barb. I mean,
1: it is definitely in but a rough state, for sure. Like,
0: it's... Wait yeah. for it. Okay. What a- Whatever happened to those missing hunters?
1: One of which was a high school girl. (laughs) What? (laughs) Was one of them a high school girl? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. So here's why I definitely think it's Barb, though. shit. I know. But it's because there's only two people that she finds in that in-between space, and they're the two people she's looking for. Ugh, you're so Right. Like it's we know there's other people missing, I agree with you, but it's not like she suddenly she's surrounded by like six people. It's like she's able to immediately narrow in.
0: Damn it. Okay, I really wanted Barb to live. I just really I know, wanted to.
1: I know. I really Barb lost the lottery on where she transferred into the other world. Because I think that pool empty pool is not a good spot to be trapped with the monster thing. There is no hiding. Okay,
0: that's totally yeah. fair.
1: Okay, so where
0: are those hunters? R.I.P.
1: Barb. R.I.P. Oh,
0: Barb. R.I.P. Oh, I think the hunters okay. are dead too. No, you're. I
1: mean, maybe. This is my thought. Maybe they're alive. Maybe they'll walk out. But like, I feel like.
0: Okay, so here's my question: Why introduce the missing hunters if they're not going to come back? at Okay, some
1: point? so I still am not convinced that the deer was hit by a car. Okay. Like, I know Nancy says that. Are we supposed to, like, really believe it? Or is that the deer that, like, the hunters were hunting and it's all related to the fact that, like, they had made a kill or they had shot a deer maybe and before... I mean, that's... Sorry. That's yeah. fair.
0: Because, like, where was the road?
1: Right. like for the car. I, yeah. Like, near that. I mean, obviously, maybe I guess it got hit and it wandered. And maybe it did. But I do think, like, I think it's more... Because when was the when were the hunters mentioned? It was the dumb cops, right? Like the two kind of useless cops who said it. It was they were mentioned not last
0: episode, but the episode before.
1: Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I
0: do you think they're still alive? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I just think why why bring them up if they're not going to be in the story?
1: But I do think it emphasizes that this thing is out there, like, making other kills. And, like, while we're we're focusing on two of them, because they're related to, like, our main characters, that, like, this thing is posing a danger and continuing to, like, feed on people, which right. is an issue.
0: That could 100% be it. Like, I mean, I, I am probably getting over caught up in, like, everything means something. And maybe this is really just to illustrate the fact that um, <clears throat> Hopper... Hopper when he heard the area that they went missing.
1: Right. It was
0: a uh, yeah. You know, it was just an True. emphasis. Okay, well, I mean I really knew that it was a long shot and your point about L looking specifically for Barb and that's what she was finding really is hard to contest, but <laughs> I wanted I I wanted to leave that door open just a tiny little crack for Barb to come running out of the woods next episode.
1: Well, and Kim, that door is definitely still there. (laughs) Listeners. (laughs) Listeners. And I am super sad that it would be Barb, but I, well, it'll be interesting to see what. That body
0: really did look a lot like Barb.
1: But I was, I was like, could that be
0: sort of a middle-aged man? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is no. (laughs) Damn it. Okay, R.I.P. bar. <laughs> um, okay, so then um, Joyce starts comforting, so Eleven is like, she's freaking out, and she's screaming like gone, gone, she's, you know, she's yes. pacing in the, in this like in-between zone, and Joyce comforts her in the pool, and she can hear Joyce's voice in this like far away, echoey way, in this in-between state. And uh, uh, this, this actually made me just a little bit teary eyed when, when Joyce is comforting her and then it's like echoing, echoing to her in this place where she's, Eleven is so terrified.
1: And it's like, how hard would this have been to do? Dr. Brenner, ask, asked doctor. Like I just, it's like so simple and yet it like completely calms her down. I was surprised they could touch like, cause she's also holding her hands like, Yes. Um, but yeah. Without
0: bringing her out of it, you mean. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But regardless, she obviously is, like, incredibly... Ca- like, it changes her completely. Um, and rather than, like, forcing her in there through fear, which was obviously Dr. Brenner's tactic, yeah. which is, like, you know, you're going to stay in there and letting her suffer through those incredibly scary moments. It's actually like, hey, it's okay. We're You're still in the pool. We're still here. This is happening, you know. I don't know. It just... Like a little bit of care and love is like so more effect, much more effective.
0: Agreed. Than like I thought that it was just you know right. like uh, I don't know it like that hit me like it was so touching and and even yeah. more so it was more impactful in the way that she was hearing it where it was like I don't know this like yes this like through. disembodied yeah. voice that yeah. was just like it was surrounding her on all sides and um, yeah it was great. Yeah. Uh, love Joyce Um, so once she calms down uh, Eleven then focuses her attention on Will and she sees his fort Castle Byers um, and enters that to find Will like pale and shivering and Mm -hmm. not looking good Um, so she delivers a message to Will from Joyce that she's coming for him and he says that he to hurry. And Joyce can hear it through the radio. Um, so Joyce mm-hmm. says, you know, stay where you are, we're coming for you. And then um as Eleven is telling Will to hold on, he like just sort of vanishes and the fort vanishes in the same way that like the Russian guy vanished before when her concentration was broken. But I I don't yeah. I didn't notice like anything specific that would have broken her concentration on this one. Like why why did it disappear do you think
1: i know and like i I thought the monster was coming um at that point but that's doesn't seem to be what happened at that point. me too um although maybe it was but but like yeah it didn't i don't know i don't know either like is it just like is it that conversing with someone in that like world is takes so much that like if it even just breaks a little bit um I don't know. And don't then know.
0: and then she suddenly like plunges into the water and but yes. so okay, I wonder though okay, so I know I'm skipping a scene here, but jumping ahead to the final scene, um <clears throat> I guess maybe I'm skipping mm-hmm. a couple, but the final scene where we see Will at the very end and he's still in he's still in the upside down, and he's still in the fort. He's essentially exactly where Eleven left him. So Is it possible maybe that what happened in that scene where the fort is blown apart by the monster happens at the same moment that Eleven is conversing with Will or like very shortly after?
1: Yeah, maybe very shortly after. I mean, I think it's he's not having... We don't see him have the conversation from his perspective only. Because so, he's singing to himself. But maybe it is, like, right after. Maybe it is that the monster is starting to approach. Yeah. And that means that she can't stay kind of latched on in that world. Because that's what we saw. It happened before. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't really have any... Uh, yeah, I didn't know if maybe I missed something in the watching. But, yeah, I didn't really pick anything up.
1: No, I have the same question, for sure. I mean, it was crazy to see Will... For real, yeah. right? Because it's been so long um, since we saw him. And I'm assuming his, like, state is from just, like, total deprivation of food and water for X number of days.
0: Yeah, I was th- I was thinking the same thing. Like, I wasn't sure if, you know, there was an impact on being in this world in and of itself. But my mind just kind of automatically went to the fact that there's no food and water. There's no, sh- you know, very little shelter. Um, yeah it
1: seems cold yeah like it's well and even if it isn't it's november and he's in like very little clothing and yeah not inside he's outdoors yeah um yeah i wonder what he like be interesting to see it from his perspective like what is he seeing when L is talking to him is he just yeah in, in his mind I, I was thinking the same
0: thing like is he just like is he just you know laying there talking to himself in that other place and, and like yeah. I guess okay like if we go back to the Russian which is the only the only communication that we have seen Eleven have with I mean it's, it's a, it's a one way communication she's just listening to him right the Russian and he's right. the only person that she has been in this like in between state with that is not either the creature or will like someone from the other side so like if she tried to talk to that Russian would he be able to hear her and talk back like, why is she able to communicate in a two-way, two-way communication with Well, I wonder?
1: Yeah, because I would have said until we saw the scene mm-hmm. that no, she couldn't have. Um, but maybe, I mean, at that point, her goal never was to communicate. It was just to be a listening device. True. So, like, is it that she, you know, she can be both if um she needs to be or if she goes into that world with that as her goal or maybe that's why like right like maybe it's that she isn't very strong being both listening and communicating and so he vanishes just because that's all she's really able to do on a communication yes yeah maybe
0: um yeah so uh she like Abruptly comes out of the list, like in between state, by sh- like, fa- she falls into the water in the tub. And then Joyce comforts her after she's sort of back into here and now.
1: Yeah. So we move from there to Hopper just asking where the fort is. He obviously wants to go and um, get well, and he's like getting into his truck and that Joyce is going to stay, like tells Joyce that she's going to stay and she just will not. Um, And I think Hopper doesn't put up much of a fight here and I think it's because he just absolutely recognizes there is no winning this fight. Um. Yeah. So she's like, uh, "That's my son. I'm going." Mm-hmm. Um. And so she's like, "Then it's a decision between she and Jonathan." And she asks him to stay with the yeah. kids while they go to um find Will. And it's just a really quick like things are moving really fast. Obviously, they want to go get him. Recognizing Will's in a really, really bad shape, but it's like we have to go right now. Um. And so Jonathan and Nancy are together. And that's when she really says that um, she wants to go finish what they started. That they um, want to, she wants to go kill the monster. That they need to go back and get their supplies. Um, and yeah, I think it like, I mean, you can see how this comes together from a, the point of view of a plan and if people were thinking through things through and it weren't like teenagers and adults where there's obviously like a power struggle slash responsibility issue but like somebody should lure the monster away at the same point that you are going into that world to try and go get you know will because like you shouldn't just go in and be vulnerable
0: Um yeah absolutely I think that it's really kind of a missed opportunity on Hopper and Joyce's part to not To like plan it a little bit, some kind of further planning. Um, And I do, though I do really like the splitting up. I mean, I had said this in a previous in a previous podcast when we were talking about them all getting together. I do like that the adults have gone their separate way, and now we're left with the kids and the and the teenagers. Yeah, because yeah, because I don't like in a story where that has been ruled so far by, you know, the kids doing their own thing to now be in a position where they have to sort of like defer to the adult yeah. authority, I want them to still yeah. do their own thing, which it looks like they are, which is which is
1: awesome. Damn straight.
0: Um so next we're cutting back and forth between Joyce and Hopper who are cutting the lab fence uh to break into the lab to go to the gate. Uh, And Jonathan and Nancy breaking into Hopper's office to go and get their, you know, bear trap monster hunter supplies. Um, And Jonathan and Nancy are successful. They not only get the box, but they also take a fire extinguisher from the police station. And then Joyce and Hopper are less successful. Um, Like,
1: how did you think this would work, Hopper? Well, that's it. Even Joyce says that she's like, and he's like, it worked last time. I mean, it's like exactly. No. <laughs> don't you think? it... And it really didn't work last time. Would be my other comment. Like, so A it didn't fully work. B, what? As far as you did get, they're not going to let you get that far again. And plus, the, you
0: know, now there's
1: another gate that's not yeah, behind exactly. a
0: military defense. Go to the woods and find the tree trunk. Why don't you? Do they
1: know that? Well, why
0: wouldn't Nancy and Jonathan have told them? I True. mean. But then it closed. Yes, it did. But it opened once for Nancy and it opened again for her to come out. I mean, like, they might have been unsuccessful, but they, they might have tried. Right. Rather than go to the like military right. compound as their first stop. I would have expected more from Hopper in this Interesting. scene.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So I did not think of going to the woods. In the set, in that sense, because I was like, it's going to take too long. You don't know where against what tree, it's going to open. Were those only open because there happened to be blood on the one side of it? Plus, it would put the kids and the adults back together again. Because I think that's exactly where
0: that's where the kids are going. Uh, for sure, and Nancy are going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not saying yeah. it would have worked. I just feel like I definitely think.
1: Yeah, it, it well was a plot through.
0: device in order to have them separated. Um, right, <clears throat> But than, in doing yeah. so, I think that they didn't give Hopper specifically enough credit. We've seen, like, such great yeah. stuff from him. Make very good yeah, decisions. decisions. Yeah, great decisions being made. And then, like, this seemed like kind of a bumbling move to make.
1: I'm excited to see how he gets out of it. Because they're going in there. And I'm quite yeah. confident that they're going to be the two who go through, at least at that point. But... Something is going to have to happen to get out of the current pickle that they are in. I don't know.
0: I mean, um, they can't take down the whole lab. Maybe they'll can. Maybe they'll be. Or can they? Or can but they? do you think that maybe <laughs> they would be able to convince Doctor Brenner to let them walk through the gate? Yeah, maybe. I think so.
1: True, because like all Doctor Brenner wants, you're. You know what? That's actually maybe not a terrible point. Like if he lets them walk through, maybe they'll say they'll give up L or something. Like yes, um, yeah. And he really wants to see what's. I mean, what would he care about sacrificing two people he thinks are just going to die in there anyway? Right. Hmm. Interesting point. Um, and then
0: lastly, we already talked about Will in the back in the fort. I know. Uh, yeah, and then like he's pale and shivering, and then you know, monster has arrived and it, like, roars this, like, giant growl and blows away the side of his, um, of his fort. Mm-hmm. And then credits with no music. I know. Creepy, creepy
1: credits. Creepy. Like, yeah.
0: And there were some, like, swampy like noises. There were noises. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, I'm always, like, scrambling at this point to, like, turn it off before the next I episode know. starts playing. <laughs> but I was, like, it's always so freaky when, like, shows that normally do credited music like then they don't like there's a couple I think episodes of Mad Men that did it I mean there's a lot but yeah it's just like whoa so impactful
0: yeah definitely like that is used deliberately to like kind of let you percolate with what just happened in the last scene I yeah.
1: think um yeah so not a good scene for Will to end on I think because everybody still seems a little far away from where he is at the moment
0: but is there any doubt in your mind that Will is going to come back alive?
1: No, like I really I, feel like yeah, this is going to end
0: with agreed. at least getting him back. Agreed, R.A.P. R. 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 Barb. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I really think so. In in which case, like, I I mean, I don't know what the very next moment of that last scene would look like. Um, yeah. You know, could could he lie very still and the monster he, can't see him because he has no eyes? Can't I see don't know. Him.
1: Yeah it'll be solved in episode eight okay
0: like so not gonna lie as soon as we wrap up this podcast i'm watching the final episode
1: <laughs> i can't wait yeah, that's a great point exactly. i can't wait i want to see how, how it now. ends so only
0: idea. one episode left and uh and then we have Completed the first season um, of Stranger Things and also the first season of our podcast, Jess. That's right. All of our learning curves.
1: Yeah. What a great uh, Netflix option this has been to do it with because it has not been the fastest watching of the Stranger Things, but it's definitely been in depth. And therefore, yeah.
0: Yeah. I should like, maybe, I should like, we did it? (laughs)
1: Question mark.
0: (laughs) Because where we're sitting right now,
1: yeah, maybe.
0: Uh, so, still some things to work out, but <laughs> yes. I
1: feel like uh, as we are saying these things, we're on our way. The episodes are all in a folder on our desktop, and are not, not a single one has on seen the air. light of day. <laughs> That's right. So if you have downloaded and listened to this, they've all appeared at the same time. Oh, my God. If if anyone (laughs)
0: decides to binge listen, I don't know if anyone would. But if anyone is binge (laughs) listening to these, I feel like the wild swings in our audio quality um, slash editing slash. um, I mean, even just uh, like in our first podcast where... I, I mean, I at least felt like I was talking really formally, like like I was giving a speech to an audience. Uh, but now I'm definitely feeling more comfortable. So thanks for sticking with us, people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It has definitely been a learning curve. Uh, but I think, I mean, who would not stick around for the theories alone? Like, if you... <laughs> What, like 20 minutes in I think we introduced the theory that Kim thought that Barb could still be alive that clearly kept you listening until like an hour. I'm sorry to podcast. disappoint
0: everyone with, <laughs>
1: <laughs> with that particular. I really one. thought it could happen. Okay. Well,
0: there is still hope. There's one episode left and I swear to god Jess, if I get off That's this right. podcast and watch this last episode and Barb is alive, I am going to spoil the shit out of that for you. I'm going to I'm going to text Kim, gonna go message you and be like, "I was then. right." <laughs> okay, we sense. uh we'll see if I was right when we come back next time.
1: That's right. Episode 8. Uh, okay. okay, thanks, thanks everybody. Guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye.